Good morning, everybody. It's Pastor Paul here on Friday, May 26th. We are charging into Memorial Day weekend in the official dawn of the summer season. And so thus, I have some bad news. This, of course, marks the time every year where we take our summer break from these pastoral devotionals. So with everybody being gone and the preaching schedule a little off kilter and vacations and you guys being gone, all those good things, it seems like uh, this is typically a good time to, to take a break. So we are going to take the next couple of months off and then come back to probably sometime mid-August or so and start these again. And of course, Lord willing, we will still be in the Gospel of Matthew. Haven't looked at the schedule, maybe Matthew 9, 10, I don't know, somewhere around there. But this morning, for this last pastoral devotional, we are going to finish up our commentary on the Lord's Prayer. We've been spending all week um, on this prayer, and we're going to sort of wrap things up this morning and launch ourselves off into the summer season. So let me read the passage, and then we'll jump in. Matthew 6, verse 7, we're going to read down through 15. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So we've talked before about how there are six petitions in the Lord's Prayer. Um, they are framed by this idea that God is our heavenly Father. That means we have intimate access to a father who is not just a, um, an intimate to us, but also our sovereign who's in control. And so this, this emphasizes both the, the transcendence God over us um, and then his eminence, God with us, so our heavenly father in heaven. And then we talked about there are six petitions in this prayer, um, two sets of three, and Matthew, again, oftentimes groups things in sets of three. The first three, um, which would be, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, all have to do with God's glory, God's name, God's renown, our prayer that God's authority would seep into every crevice of our lives and our world, that his name would be upheld, magnified, be made great. And then finally, there are Two set, uh, a set of three petitions that focus not on so much as God's glory, but on God's grace or his gifts to us. And they are, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, lead us not into temptation. And I want to focus on this um, petition number five. It's what we have time for this morning. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Well, what does that mean and what, what are we supposed to do with that? Well, the word debt, we can think about in a purely financial sense. We owe someone debt. 
and then um, we release that debt or we forgive that debt or we no longer hold that against them. And as an economic principle, that was not unimportant in the Old Testament, right? Um, the, the people of Israel were constantly charged to care for the poor, to not charge confiscatory interest rates, to not cheat one another. In fact, there was this year of Jubilee, right, where um, everyone in Israel was to forgive the debts of their fellow Israelites. And it, again, was a remembrance, a sign to them that God had released them from captivity in Egypt. Now, most likely, and I think this, I mean, this is probably, I think, fairly well accepted, Jesus is meaning much more than simple forgiveness of financial debts. In fact, I don't even think financial debts is, is really what's in view here. The word for debt in the Greek, um, we, when, you, when, when you translate that word into the Aramaic, and remember, Jesus taught in Aramaic. That was the common language of the Jews at the time. But when the New Testament writers wrote their letters, they wrote them in Greek. Um, because this is this was the the language of the empire. That's what this language that everyone spoke. Kind of like English is in the world today. That's where that's what Greek was then. And the word for debts in the Aramaic it it refers to sins. It refers to to trespasses, things that someone has done to wrong us. Now, what really gives that interpretation added emphasis, if you look down in verses 14 and 15, is that Jesus takes this opportunity to give at the end of the prayer. It's not part of the formal prayer per se, but it's, it's an excursus. It's a, it's a theological explanation to help us understand why um, we pray what we pray, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And you'll notice the word there, for if you forgive their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And the word there, trespasses, in the Greek, literally means to sin, okay? So it seems, and this often happens in the scriptures, the scripture writer, writers will interchange uh, words. They will interchange uh, words that that mean that are synonyms that mean something similar they'll use them interchangeably um, without necessarily any particular theological um, thought and this is probably what's happening here right so so the Greek word for debts the Greek word for trespasses are, are, are synonymous they're used interchangeably but we know that by virtue of the fact that Jesus takes this opportunity to really explain this petition number five, he is talking about sins. He is talking about wrongs committed against someone else. So, so let, let's reread that. And forgive us our sins as we, as, also, as we also have forgiven those who sinned against us. Okay, so let's go down to verse 14. For if you forgive others their sins... Your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive their sins, neither will your Father forgive your sins. And of course, this immediately should get our attention. What in the world is Jesus saying here? Is he saying, Pastor Paul, if I hold a grudge in my heart, that if I'm struggling to forgive someone, or maybe I'm even I'm even 
just at a place where I'm not over it yet? Um, does this mean God doesn't forgive me? And again, um, we don't want to look at this woodenly, okay? Again, Jesus is, is going to later tell us if, if a member of our body causes us to sin, to pluck it out like our eye, throw it away. Jesus, um, I think, is using some hyperbole here to emphasize something very, very important to us. He's saying, as your heavenly Father, God has forgiven all of your sins through Jesus Christ, every single one of them, no matter how heinous, how wrong, no matter um, how, how treacherous, he's forgiven them. He has wiped your slate clean. He does not hold you to them. That's why we can say there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And by the same token, Paul is, I mean, Jesus is now saying, now forgive other people. Your heavenly Father has forgiven you. You forgive other people. And so what does that tell us if we, God has forgiven us this eternal debt of our sin, but we have not forgiven others for something they've done to or against us? What, what, what does that say about our hearts? Well, well, this is an important enough point where Jesus later tells a parable. And, and, and the parable is essentially this, that a, a, a wealthy man um, goes to one of those who owes him money and who owes him the equivalent of it's about 10,000 talents. It's a, it's a million dollars. It's, it's an extraordinary sum. And the man says, can I just have a little more time? Can, can you forgive me um, of, my, of my trespasses, of my debt, my financial debt? And the, and the owner does. Well, then the man in the parable goes and goes to someone who owes him a, a penance, just a, a few pennies. And he beats him, this man, and has him thrown into prison, debtor's prison, because he can't repay the, the amount of money. And once the owner or the rich man hears about the way his servant treated someone versus how he treated him, then uh, he becomes angry and throws him into prison, right? Because here, this, this very generous rich man was going to forgive a debt of 10,000 talents. But this man who had just been forgiven this enormous debt was not going to forgive his fellow servant a couple of pennies highlighted the fact that this man did not understand the nature of the generosity or the grace that had been, best, uh, been bestowed upon him. And Jesus is, is clearly making the same kind of point. He's saying, if you haven't forgiven others, or you have a stubborn disposition to not forgive someone, or you are harboring bitterness, anger in your heart towards someone, and you're refusing to release that, Maybe you're nursing that grudge. Maybe you're feeding on it. Maybe you're drawing some sort of sick energy from it. Jesus says, well, have you not considered what your father has done for you? He has forgiven you for far worse, for infinitely worse. Now, does that mean that person who's, not, who's refusing to forgive is not going to heaven? And, and, and here's where you have to hear the warning of the parable. Maybe Maybe. And this is not, we don't need to think about this so much as a tit for tat that if, 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 you, can, if, you, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. 
it means to, it, it, it's meant as a warning to say if you have a stubbornness on your part to re, to to refuse to forgive others, that might be an indication in your heart that you really don't understand the forgiveness of God. You may not understand His grace. You may not comprehend the depth of the good news. And if you haven't comprehended the depth of the good news, the antidote for getting past your hurt and bitterness is go ponder and meditate a while on the boundless eternal grace of God to us in Jesus Christ. And if at that point, that doesn't move you, that doesn't um, move you off your, your mark, then maybe you haven't fully or maybe at all understood the nature of the grace of God. Maybe it's been a wordplay for you. Maybe it's been been a little uh, a uh, something to recite or talk about, but it's nothing that you've personally uh, experienced. That's the warning. And so, so what does this tell us? That God puts a premium on human relationships over and over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount. We are told, don't pretend everything is right with God when things are not right with your brother. The way to be in communion with God, right with God, if we want to say it that way, and when I say right, I don't mean in terms of our justification, but I mean our wholeheartedness. If the way to be congruent with the purposes of God is to be congruent with your brothers and sisters in Christ. So, so that's really one of the main lessons of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus is getting at as he takes us from the vertical to the horizontal to say, if you're having difficulty um, with grace, with forgiveness for others, this is an invitation, I think Jesus would say, to come know anew and freshly the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ to you. All right, that's it. Kind of sad we're signing off here, um, but I uh, I'm confident that God will continue to work, complete his work in you over the summer season. Use it as a great opportunity to read a good book on the Lord's Prayer. R.C. Sproul has a great book on the Lord's Prayer. J.I. Packer has a great book on the Lord's Prayer. Lots of resources out there and use it as a template and model for your own prayer life. I hope you have a great summer. See you back here in this format sometime in August. Let me pray. Lord, as we now go from this place, we entrust one another to you. And we pray, Lord, that even as we're not meeting in this format for a little while, um, this doesn't mean the Word of God is bound. No, no. The Word of God continues to go forth and accomplish its purposes and Lord, we ask that you would indeed do that for us now, this season. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, see you later.